0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 13th, 2022. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media Commentary Columnist and American Enterprise Institute Fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And Associate Editor and Author of Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So we have a busy day today in and around and relating to Donald Trump and the Trump administration. At 1 p.m., there will be a hearing of the January 6th committee that has conveniently been advanced by a story in the Washington Post about film footage of a Trump aide moving boxes around at Mar-a-Lago, apparently this aide, who we can presume to be a military aide who came down to Mar a Lago with Trump after the end of the administration, uh, has been cooperating with them and telling them that he was doing moving this stuff around at the direct order of the former president. So there is that story. And uh, in somewhere else in America, I can't remember quite where. Uh, the trial of, uh, uh, Igor Danchenko, uh, who is, uh, uh, the Russiagate special counsel, John Durham's, uh, one of the two people that he has charged with crimes relating to his investigation of Russiagate, uh, begins, excuse me, in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, uh, according to our friend Annie McCarthy, writing in the New York Post, Danchenko is charged with five counts of lying to the FBI about two of his sources for what became the infamous Steele dossier. Danchenko was Steele's principal source. In essence, Durham accuses him of A, concealing from the FBI that he was getting some information about the Trump campaign from Clinton political ally Charles Dolan, and B, falsely claiming. He received explosive information from Sergei Milian, a Belarusian-American tangentially associated with Trump, alleging the GOP candidate was, quote, in a conspiracy of cooperation, unquote, with the Kremlin. It remains to be seen whether Durham can prove these charges. The allegation related to Dolan is not crystal clear because Danchenko did make a vague reference to discussions with him, and Milian, who is overseas and beyond U.S. subpoena power, has refused to testify. And then, as Andy says, what is not in doubt, though, is that the trial highlighting the FBI's shocking malfeasance in the Trump-Russia collusion plo- probe, which it codenamed Crossfire Hurricane. The Can we just revelation- add that yes. they
1: offered they offered a million dollars to prove, for, to steal, to prove that the dossier chart claims were true, and he could not do it, a million dollars.
0: So, yes. Yeah, so just to go on reading, just to uh, uh, crib from Andy here, the first witness in the case was FBI Supervisory Intelligence Analyst Brian Auten, of whom Durham himself conducted the prosecution's questioning. Auten, excuse me, so this trial has been ongoing, I apologize. Auten conceded the FBI had offered Steele $1 million if he could prove his sensational allegations that Trump was in cahoots with the regime of Vladimir Putin and that the Kremlin was positioned to blackmail the then-candidate because it supposedly possessed a video recording of Trump engaging in sexual hijinks. Ultimately, the Bureau never had to pay the $1 million because neither Steele nor Danchenko could prove the dossier allegations. In fact, according to court filings, Durham's investigation has concluded the so-called P-tape was a complete fabrication. Further, when the FBI finally got around to interviewing Danchenko months after it first received Steele's reporting, Danchenko debunked it as a screed of rumor and innuendo, much of it exaggerated and gussied up to look like professional intelligence analysts. More of the point, though, is that the FBI who offered to pay such an exorbitant sum and hopes Steele's anti-Trump claims could be backed up. That's proof positive the Bureau knew these claims were not verified. Now, why is this important? And then we'll get to the the meat of the matter. Because the FBI offered the a million dollars, did not the million dollars was not collected because because the two the the Steele and Danchenko could not verify or even say anything to prove these allegations. And nonetheless, the FBI went to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and said that they needed to be able to investigate Trump aides, American citizens, um, uh, and spy on them because of the allegations in the Steele dossier. So at this point, they had known that this was untrue, and they still uh, sought warrants. Um, against uh, particularly against Carter Page in October 2016 and mid-January 2017. So this is FBI malfeasance. It's not precisely about Trump. Uh, and I'm reading this too extensively from Andy McCarthy because you won't find hardly anything except stories at the beginning of the week about how the Durham probe came to nothing and wasn't important. And Durham spent three years and look what he got. He got nothing. On the other hand, let's talk about the Trump case. Guys moving boxes around in Mar-a-Lago on a camera. Okay, so I'm a man from Mars. I've just arrived on the planet Earth. I don't know what's going on. And I read in the newspaper, an aide to the former president is moving boxes around in his new house. Why do I, as the man from Mars, say, boy, that's not good? Well, you'd have to explain to you the justice system. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and the separation of branches and the uh, predicates for classified material that render that a, uh, a suspect act. It would, it would take a very long time to bring you up to speed. Um, but bottom line is, this is the accusation. And the accusation is that he had a bunch of boxes. He just wanted the boxes. They were my boxes, I'm not giving them back. And this is evidence to suggest that this is an open and shut allegation.
0: Okay, so um, the witness description and footage described to the Washington Post offer the most direct account to date of Trump's actions and instructions leading up to the FBI's August 8th search of the Florida residence and private club. People familiar with the investigation said agents have gathered witness accounts indicating that after Trump advisors received a subpoena in May for any classified documents that remained at Mar-a-Lago, Trump told people to move boxes to his residence at the property. That description of events was corroborated by security camera footage, which showed people moving the boxes. So they get the subpoena, and Trump says, take this stuff from the basement and move it into my apartment, right? Uh, according to what I'm reading from the, uh, from the sort of, oh, they've got him now, camp, They've got him now, Andrew Weissman, various other people. Uh, this is this is like a smoking gun in the sense that this is the uh, connective pit of tissue that has Trump directly involved in making determinations about where this stuff should be put to hide it, so that he can keep it. Uh, and uh okay, jury. Here- a jury could hear this and say, okay, well, they, they got him. Like he he's he told them to move it and keep it away from the National Archives and the and the and to violate and and to violate the subpoena. I'm gonna <clears throat> play your man from Mars bit, but I'm also but I'm gonna do
2: it as man from 2019, twenty twenty. 19, 2020. So I just fell into a, a wormhole and ended up here. And to the connective tissue between your two threads is we finally got Donald Trump not on colluding with Russia, not on uh, in emoluments, undermining the government, trying to overthrow the government. We got him on boxes. He's moving a bunch of boxes around. We finally got him likewise. We didn't get the FBI on a grand malfeasance, a grand act of malfeasance, some scheme to undermine the government, the exposure. Of the vast deep state working to undermine the American electoral system, we've discovered that the FISA surveillance mechanisms are flawed. Holy cow, can you even imagine? Explain to me, as a man from 2019, why any of this remotely approaches what I, what the, the, the price of the ticket of admission I bought to this show
0: okay that's very interesting and i would say this that 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 counterintuitively you're right that you would say what he had boxes at a lago he said put them in their apartment and like you're going to convict him of a of a, of a felony um, yeah i'm sitting okay. in, in the
2: fifth row center right. booing at the uh okay. total anticlimactic uh denouement here
0: because here's the thing life is not melodrama when this is like what people make this these horrible mistakes about what investigative reporting is. Investigative reporting is people going through folders and hundreds of thousands of documents and finding something that says that the zoning commission, you know, said that they were going to do this but in fact they did the opposite and there's a sentence on on page 18 that that uh, gives the game away and therefore you have the case of the zoning commission colluding with the businessman to do something that is illegal. And that's what real investigative reporting is. Similarly, if you wanna get somebody on the grounds of committing a felony, have him violate the terms of a subpoena. Maybe it's boring. Maybe it's mundane. Maybe given the fact that he was elected President of the United States, he should be given a pass. But this is actually how you prove that a crime has been committed. So we're assuming a little bit of film footage and somebody saying, yeah, he told me to move that box.
1: Okay, but couldn't he argue? Couldn't his lawyer, couldn't Trump's lawyer to play devil's advocate say, yes, when we got the subpoena, we moved the boxes to a more secure location to begin the process of finding the things that the subpoena was subpoenaing. And that's why they were moved. It's, you could you could imagine a perfectly reasonable explanation for the video, which I know they're treating as high drama, and it might be high drama and might be the gotcha moment. But there's also perhaps a reasonable explanation that that a lawyer could make on his behalf.
0: Okay, so that's a good point. So so uh, and I think that's Trump himself on Truth Social said something pretty similar oh, last night. I didn't night know that. I'm Washington not Post usually. Story. Not usually very, channeling that right You are mind melding. Oh, please don't say that <laughs> with the former president.
3: Look, I, I got to say, to my mind, that's more likely. I'm sorry, because because if he was moving the boxes to hoard the boxes, it makes no sense.
1: He was getting his memorabilia out, Abe. He was getting <laughs> yeah, all his yeah, bugs ahead. and love letters out.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it just doesn't. I, it, it, look, it still goes back to this same question that, that speaking of boxes, trying to understand the black box that is Trump's brain. You know, it's like I, I still don't know why he had the boxes and to, to if the, the idea that he's he was moving them to hoard them, to, to guard them jealously. Uh, uh from from the authorities it's so i i don't understand it i don't see the rationale i don't understand the motive
1: that's because you're underestimating the size and scope of his vanity um
3: perhaps they're so, his
2: they're his boxes he thinks that's the beginning middle and end here is it.
0: the here is here is trump's statement there is no crime having to do with the storage of documents at Mar-a-Lago, only in the minds of the radical left lunatics who are destroying our country and were just forced by the courts to give me back much of what they took, stole during their unprecedented and unnecessary break of my home. I don't know what he's talking about there. The clinton Sox case, which is law, says it all belongs to the president. No crime and the Presidential Record Act is simple. Negotiate and no crime. These people are crazy okay so he doesn't actually say what you said christine he doesn't say they're my boxes i had some stuff in them i moved the i moved things you know i moved things to my apartment so that they would be out of the way he says it's all mine everything is mine 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 yeah noah's right yeah that's the that's his that's trump's logic yeah um okay so The question is, does it sound insanely petty, and will this be a moment at which people go, oh, what are you, kidding me? Or, as I said, is this actually how you you get a guy who is like J.J. Hunsecker in The Sweet Smell of Success, the right hand, my right hand doesn't know what my left hand has been doing for 30 years, who actually said to some guy, move those boxes into my apartment, that uh, is in contravention of a of a of a legally executed subpoena um, and then
3: that's what you get him on I don't think we can prognosticate here because it we, we don't know what the de, what the defense is yet right I mean if it's the I'm going to call it the Christine defense um, and and it could be substantiated in some way then this is not necessarily how you get him
0: So there is obviously no relation, oddly enough, between the story, this story, and whatever the January 6th committee is going to uh, reveal or talk about today, because the January 6th committee is about January 6th, and unless maybe they could sort of like say, oh, everything in the box they moved to the apartment is from January, is about January 6th. It's, you know, the smoking gun is in the box, and he's hiding the box, but of course, there's no, there's no, literally no evidence of that. They don't know what's in the box, right? They only know that that somebody moved the box. Um. So, are you guys, all three of you, saying that, based on what we know now, this is much ado about nothing? Because no. Abe, you started out by saying this is bad. But now you've kind of moved away from the this is bad camp.
3: Well, it's bad in the broadest sense. I mean, anything that that draws any attention or or anything that frames Donald Trump as being directly or even indirectly involved with the boxes is 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 broadly bad. It's a violation of statute and it's
2: a violation of statute that anybody else would be prosecuted for. You can intellectually understand that. And say, well, that's bad, but it doesn't even remotely approach the allegations that have been made against this guy, which is very similar to the Durham probe. It doesn't even remotely approach what we were built to expect from the spectacle. From the Durham and so probe. it's going to be a letdown. Yeah, yeah. Every, and it's even if it's even if you can get the guy, it's going to be very unsatisfying to finally put Al Capone in prison for tax evasion.
1: Well, there there's also something. Uh, no one's whether... going to be
2: satisfied by that outcome. They're going to be very frustrated by the fact that you sold them a bill of goods and failed to deliver.
0: I don't agree with you about that, by the way, because I think these people, the people who who have spent, you know, five years, you know, Pavlov, you know, like literally the phrase "Trump and and conviction" like causes salivation like a Pavlov's dog. They don't care. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. He's convicted let me about, let me right? spe-
2: specify okay. that the re- resistance. Pink pussy hat wearing brigade is going to be thrilled by whatever they can possibly get. Likewise, Rick Grinnell is going to be on Twitter today saying, they are finally taking down the FBI." You're not, and everybody else who has a remote sense of objectivity here and was actually paying attention to what you've been saying for the last four years is going to be disappointed.
1: But there, there is a one. I think that's right. But I also think that they're not to both sides. Of it, but the both the January 6th committee and the defenders of Donald Trump have calcified. Support on either side of their claims, right? And it's not budging. You know the the January 6th committee, which I think has done very competent and able work in sort of detailing the 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 days and uh, weeks leading up to January 6th and the day itself and the events and gathering testimony. All of that good good work, which is exactly what a commission of that sort should do. But then they tagged on this we're defenders of democracy and this this kind of hyperbole that went that has come along with the commission that has calcified. A lot of Republicans are like, why should we listen to these people? They're calling us all authoritarians, even if we never even had a mind to even read an a, a email link that some crazy QAnon friend of ours sent us saying, let's go to DC on January 6th. So they are painting with a very broad brush. So are the people who are out to get Trump. So I think in terms of persuading anyone, it doesn't strike me that either on either side, there's no effort to persuade people, not just to the legal stuff. The legal stuff is its own thing. There's no effort to persuade people to listen and change their minds on either of these subjects.
0: Okay, so let's go back to or you know, not to get you know, mere horrible electoral politics involved in such august issues as where Donald Trump was moving a box or not. But when you hear Democrats hitting the uh, democracy issue, not not Liz Cheney, because Liz Cheney is clearly a true believer in the idea that democracy is under unprecedented threat and has sacrificed her political career to the to to this idea. But when you hear Democrats talking about that, you are hearing something that is poll tested. Here's what Democrats know who are not only running for office, but are elected officials who want their party either to mitigate the damage of the of the upcoming midterms or maybe even to sort of choke an unexpected triumph in holding off a Republican wave. And they know two things. Two things push the buttons of their possibly unenthusiastic democratic electorate. One is abortion. And the other is threats to democracy from Trump and the threat of Trump. And so when Benny Thompson, the chairman of that committee gives his monologue at the beginning and at the end about Trump and the threats to democracy and all of that, he is not just doing so out of conviction, though I'm sure he believes what he is saying. He is doing so because they know that this pushes the button. They want democratic voters who are getting more and more after like a a, a spasm of excitement, they seem to be getting more and more depressed so much so that the governor of Oregon, a a role not filled by a Republican for 40 years is now apparently at risk of losing her seat so much that uh, Biden went out to Oregon to appear with her at a rally and Biden generally doesn't, you know, go much further than, you know, the Delaware shore on his travel. So uh, that's a, was a, also, I think he likes that somebody wants to appear with him. But anyway, that's what's going on there. So that's where the threats to democracy stuff comes in. You do have something very mundane. And the most important thing about this is that unlike other things, I think, as Noah said, we actually have real world cases of officials of the federal government who have been who have been charged and have been convicted of the mishandling of classified information by taking it from secure locations to private homes we have david Petraeus or or handing it to other people we have david petraeus as one larry franklin uh, and uh, uh, as another a couple of other officials this is no joke like this is a serious Unfortunately, you can na- you can
2: only pull up the names that you would know, household names, on one hand. There's a lot of people that are
0: prosecuted for this.
2: Right. Sometimes unknowingly, but you never know their names.
0: And that's well, the problem. You would, right. You wouldn't unless the story breaks out into the open. But the federal government takes the mishandling of classified information with the utmost seriousness because somebody on the other end of one of those documents could get murdered by the security service in the country they're in. If sources and methods are being named in the actual documents, you could find out who was the source for X, Y, and Z piece of intelligence about Putin, and then Putin can have someone stab him with an umbrella or out and out throw him, pitch him out a window. And that is the sacred obligation of intelligence services is to protect their sources Not only so they don't get killed and morally they, you know, they, we would be complicit in that death, but also so that the word doesn't spread that when you, when you, you know, when you talk to the CIA or you talk to an American, you give them information that your life is at risk because then people around the world are not going to, are not going to be human intelligence resources for the, for the CIA. And obviously the worst possible thing you could do is, and here's a weird thing the worst possible thing you can do in for the future if you actually have the goods on trump mishandling classified information is give him a pass because everybody that you would want to you would want to try for this crime in the future would say in their proceeding you can't throw me in jail the Justice Department decided not to prosecute Donald Trump for the very same thing. He was president of the United States. Why do we have two standards of justice in this country? Everybody knows Trump did this. You're gonna. I'm like a stumble bum who just mistakenly put something in my briefcase and took it home.
3: Isn't that already in place because of Hillary Clinton? Well, I mean, that right. is that is yes. the president and its law. Right, yes, yeah, but, and
1: that's Trump's defense right yes, now
2: in a, in that's a nutshell what they to do it yeah. just
0: doesn't apply to the president, I don't think well, she wasn't I mean we don't know okay, fair enough okay, so, but I'm just saying he yeah, he's the sitting president of the United States, so then, okay, so yeah, but it's not good, so you would you would like it's it's a it's a real it's a it's a real problem, so on the one hand, you make fun of the boxes because, yeah, they had Trump as a Soviet asset. As a Russian asset being peed on and blackmailed and you know, this and that and the other thing. And in the end, it's gonna be, hey, take that box up to my up to my quarters, and in the box is a um, you know, is a classified document, and, and then he's and then he's convicted of mishandling classified information
1: and 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 just a note about the the al Capone strategy it is unsatisfactory if you're out for blood to get someone who had you know been a murderer and all kinds of other organized crime uh problems but that was a very creative strategy at the a legal strategy at the time by people at the department of justice to try to just to get him off the street literally like they could he was very very good in a, in a weird way echoing some of trump's ability not to put anything in writing or or say anything that could actually pin him down uh, he he was very good about managing his underlings and his lieutenants in such a way that it, they could not get him even though everybody understood that he was the head of this this organization so the tax the tax strategy actually was kind of genius and developed by uh, a woman um I think her name was uh Mabel Willebrandt. there was a there was a female uh Justice department official who actually came up with this creative strategy that ended up nailing Capone so it was kind of a fa- she was a she was very supportive of the prohibitionist stuff at the time but it was really it was a fascinating history there that that i think future uh, prosecutors have obviously studied in terms of getting some of these certainly organized crime folks
2: and then she turned on everything she believes <laughs>
1: <So, laughs> yeah i mean yeah
2: <laughs> so it uh yeah it, it destroys you too yeah the hunt for anyway. the white whale
0: so um you know the problem is always with trump he something's going on that looks very suspicious and sneaky and then it's all Okay, what's in the box? like you need you need something to be in the box that is classified. So can they get the box? If they never get the box, then he says it's all mine and there's nothing class in anyway, it's all mine. and the socks case says it's all mine. and it also says negotiate, which I don't know what the hell that means um and uh, he's now using clinton as the model uh anyway i I, i'm all
3: speaking about speaking about what's in the box and uh, uh, you guys may have a better handle on this what happened to the idea that what's in the what's in a box um are some sort of nuclear secrets right nuclear intelligence haven't heard about that doesn't mean that's not true, but well, anything could be in the. Bo- that's the problem with the box. The box could have January sixth
0: documents in it. It could have nuclear secrets. It could have stuff. about head. Emmanuel Macron's sex life. This
3: is like this it is like have quantum anything. reality. It's like Schro- Schrodinger's cat's in the box.
0: It, it, it it's, is it's dead or it's alive. Cat. The box is Schrodinger's cat. So you can say that anything could be in the box until they get the box. the The speculation is well. There's probably if he took a box and he put. Logic suggests he's hiding something. What would he be hiding? He would be hiding classified information. He's not hiding cufflinks, you know, and he's not hiding anything else. He's hiding that. But you still have to get the box and know what's in the box. You can't convict the guy for having a box moved at his house at his house from the basement to his apartment. So this notion that th- – so I'm talking myself into the idea that this notion – again from the resistance lunatics that this is it he's toast they have video footage of him moving the box um really does depend on what's in the box what if it's baron's you know baby clothing i mean you know what if it's his baron's baby shoes and guilty uh, yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, what do you have in a box? The guy loves to carry boxes around. That's the other thing. Like if you read Maggie Haberman's book, the guy's schlepping people his whole life. He walks around and people are walking behind him. This is before he's president, like carrying boxes into the helicopter to go with him. He's got some box fetish to have things in boxes. I don't know why they're ugly. You know, if it were a banker's, if one of those, what do you call those things? The 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 thing with the handle, the, the banker's, banker's box, yeah. brief, or whatever it is, yeah. like, like that would at least cage. be more attractive. But he's he does got it like he... some crappy U-Haul, you he know. With it the, makes with him the look tape.
1: important. He thinks it makes him look so important that all of these important documents have to follow him around because at any moment his important signature might be needed on an important document about an important thing. It's a weird sort of stagecraft that he's always had as a businessman and then as president.
0: Okay, you know, I mean, who who's to argue? You know, he 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 staged the greatest political stunt in American political history. I'm I'm not going to argue that he did the wrong thing with the boxes, okay. But do we think that there will be any January sixth, uh, anything that comes at? So apparently, they're going to try to do what Trump knew and when he knew it, or what what advance notice they had, and the big smoking gun stuff there comes from uh this uh, danish filmmaker some kind of scandinavian filmmaker who was doing a documentary on roger stone and roger stone says to him let's get to the violence you know he, he said like we're we're gonna stage a thing and we're gonna in- interrupt the electors let's get to the violence says roger stone again roger stone is not trump like you you still have this issue which is you are you are a click away from Trump. we're one degree of separation away from trump but you're still separated from Trump so they can create the aura that of course there was this lawlessness and and hunger for this assault on democracy, but they don't have him yet. They do, They still don't have him except, you know, saying come it'll be wild and, you know, let's, you know, they're, they're stealing our country and all of that, but they don't have him saying, I want there to be an insurrection, go and storm the Capitol. I'm excited about violence. Roger Stone is a psychopath. I'm going to tell you one story about Roger Stone. I ran into Roger Stone in 1996 at the Republican National Convention in San Diego. I was with a group of people. Uh, We were walking down a corridor. And then a bunch of, um, this is Roger Stone. This is, uh, right, 20, what, 20, 27, 28 years ago. Walking down a corridor comes a group of, like, kids from Young Americans for Freedom. And they were like, weirdly enough, they were, you know, they had little, they had hats and things like that. And they walked by Roger Stone and he looked at me and he said, ah, the Hitler youth. So in 1996, Roger Stone was making fun of young conservative activists in this weird cynical way. Uh, and then it's 20, you know, 24 years later, and he's the one who wants to essentially activate the neo-Hitler youth to do violence against the United States. Um, I'm just telling you that story because it's it just redolent of the, of, of, of the person that he is, like he was disgusting then, he's disgusting now. He's very entrancing in some ways, by the way. I mean, he's very clever, very, very smart, has a kind of quick sense of humor. There's a great piece about him, a profile of him by Matt Labash, if you just Google Matt Labash's name and Roger Stone. Uh, you get a real um you get a real full picture uh of the guy i tend not to like reprobates like this i don't find them that amusing and matt finds them amusing so he's you know he's the you know he's the damon runyon of the right and i'm a little more censorious about this but i just do think it's a very interesting fact that he is that here we are and he is um uh, roger stone is now you know like activating oath keepers and uh proud boys and things like that um, whom he once scorned and reviled so uh i don't know why. anyway but uh so do we think anything is i mean we don't know what we don't know what they have there are two things that happen right so they they go up and they and they say what they have and then everybody in the media says oh this is what well, what a day I mean, that was a very powerful, I mean, really, that was a remarkable look at how they cut those film clips together and they really established a narrative and it's so well organized. And da, 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 and there's no, um, they're there, like, or there's no, they kind of advance the story in a mosaic fashion or kind of impressionistic fashion for everybody, including me, who thinks that, you know, they... This was an unprecedented, disgusting event, and people should be held to account for it. But again, convincing the unconvincing, the yet to be convinced, what would they have to do to do that? Or are the battle lines drawn to to to? Well,
1: I I really do think that it's too late to convince the unconvinced because they cannot detach what they're actually fi- the fact finding mission of the commission from the ideological overlay that it has embraced and and which which also cannot be removed from the timing of the commission's work in the lead up to a midterm election. I just think it's it's going to be very hard for them not to th- there's a lot that's that's ideological about the commission as well as really valuable in terms of fact finding. And those two things are intertwined at this point. And it, I mean, we talked about this when the commission was first floated as an idea and its formation and Pelosi rejected, you know the initial Republican uh, suggestions for members. And so then McCarthy stamped away and said, well, you'll have none of them. And I mean, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, obviously been a partisan effort from the beginning, and that's fine as far as these commissions go. But this is a very, this is very important work. It was obviously they sp- they spent a lot of time and money on the, the sort of image crafting of a lot of these hearings. This is the final televised hearing, correct me if I'm wrong. So we'll, I, I'm sure this is going to be the sort of very high level special TV event kind of uh, programming, but, but I, they're not in it to persuade anymore. That's not the, that's not actually the mission of the commission <laughs> as it were. So I don't think it's going to change anyone's mind. Is is unfortunately the what my feeling about it.
0: Um okay. So we're we moving right? on to the second topic of the day because
1: yes. I'm
2: I'm hijacking. Move. Go. Noah's um,
1: antsy. Go, no.
2: <laughs> yeah. Go. Um consumer price index numbers came out today. It's probably the last inflation report that we're going to get that matters. There'll be one in October. But Everything's baked in at this point. This is if, October. Oh, you're right. Never mind. No, we will get one before the election.
0: No, we, we will, may not. This is October. No, this. No, is, you're is right. Today? I thought October it was September. 14th? This yeah. is how
2: it's I'm tired.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I know.
2: Anyway, it's October and this is the last inflation report. Let's reset. Um, yes. And it came in. It beat expectations, everybody, but not in a good way. Expectations were for year over year. Eight point one came in at eight point two. Um, That doesn't sound like a lot. But it is a lot when you dig into the numbers. Um, As far as bright sides in this report, energy is down. Energy costs across the board are down, but they're going down much slower than they did in um, August. This is September's report, this is why I'm confused. Um, Much slower than they did in August, and they're still year over year extremely high almost 20% for gasoline and fuel oil is up almost 60% year over year. So no one's going to feel the relief there and everything else is pretty much up with the exception of used cars. But the real terror here in this report, first of all, energy services are up, but all items, just everything generally is up nearly 3% in September, one month. And what's leading that
0: all trans- non-energy items, uh, mean, all, all, I- all items, vehicle? less food and energy. Uh, That's cool. All items that are not food and energy, so that's every consumer good. Just every vehicles, apparel, medical
2: services, shelter,
0: all up. So this is not raw goods. This is consumer goods. This is the consumer consumer
2: price index. Correct. What you buy. Okay. Right. And the biggest uh, thing that sticks out at me here, it's not the biggest line item, but uh, that increase. But the biggest item here is um, medical care services, which was up a full point in September. Um, this is a really bad situation for Democrats. I'm probably understating it, but they made a big gamble in August. They passed this thing they called the Inflation Reduction Act. It was a bait and switch. It was just a bunch of climate change spending with one exception that they talk about a lot. And that's the expansion of Medicare services, um, which is supposed to lower medical costs, certainly lower prescription costs, but it's supposed to lower medical costs generally and medical costs are up by a full percent. So, um, I don't know how they talk themselves out of this, and I think they probably go full panic at this point. Um, There's no way to argue people out of this experience. They said they were going to do something in inflation. They passed something that was supposed to do something about inflation. It didn't do anything about inflation. They toyed with the American people and their most profound concern this election year, the single economic issue of our time. And Just demonstrated that they have neither a handle of the issue or very much interest in actually dealing with the issue. I don't know how that's not ballgame.
0: Well, by the way, I mean, you've just, you know, any Republican political consultant listening to the sound of Noah's voice, if you haven't already thought about this, this is like what you would do if you're running against Eric Adams in New York City, if he were up for office right now, and you say Eric Adams said that he was going to defeat crime, crime is up 40%. You say this candidate that we're running against voted for the inflation reduction act inflation is up since the inflation reduction act passed great work so in fact it was the inflation promotion act not the inflation reduction if you want more inflation vote for this guy like the commercial rights itself i just want to read you one thing and then have you react to it this is you this is u.s inflation from january 21 on ready jan 21 1.4%. February 21, 1.7%. March 2.6%. April 21, 4.2%. May 21, 5%. June 21, 5.4%. July 21, 5.4%. August 21, 5.3%. September 21, 5.4%. October 21, 6.2%. November 21, 6.8%. December 21, Seven percent January 2022 7.5%. Okay. What didn't happen between January and January? There was no invasion of Ukraine from January 21 to January 20. What happened in January in 2021? The passage of the American Rescue Act. The passage of the American Rescue Act and the Infrastructure Act. Okay? That was 4 billion in spending? 4 trillion in spending, I believe. Okay. So we went from 1.7, 1.4 when Biden took office to 7 in a year. February 2022, 7.9%, March 8.5%, April 8.3%, May 8.6%, June 9.1%, July 8.5%, August 8.3%, and September, which is what we're talking about here. 8.2%. So you know what I see here? I don't see all that much of an inflationary effect from Ukraine. Yeah, you I see, mean, a I see, steady one rise. Terrible moment, right? Steady rise, yeah. Right. But I see one terrible moment. It was we're pretty much around eight percent in February before, right? Because the invasion was on February 24th or February 25th. February 24th. So it was already at 8%. So it goes up to 9% by June, which is a Huge increase, right? I mean, in, in, that's actually a ten percent increase in inflation. Nonetheless, um, it's not like it went from seven point nine percent to fifteen percent, and well, you can say, "Oh my God, Ukraine really disrupted everything." And look at what happened with gas prices. This is the Biden administration's economic record.
1: Well, and and the the thing that the average person is the the place where they're feeling it besides the the the, the gas pump is in food costs um groceries i know i keep hammering this but it but for some items that people regularly purchase for in their home budget to feed their families those items have doubled or even tripled in price since biden took office chicken uh, pork, um, uh, some dairy products, uh, everything is, everything is rising and that hasn't stopped. And I think what's condescending about the Biden administration's message is they look at these percentages here and they're like, Oh, this is only up this percent or this percent. 1% doesn't sound that bad. But if you look at the yearly comparison costs from the beginning of his administration to now, some of those things are up 40% in price. And that actually means that the the little tiny cushion that a lot of people have month to month on their family budgets and from their paycheck to paycheck is has shrunk or disappeared. And people are more people are going to be living on credit. More people are going to have to take out loans. So that, and that's just to get by. That's not to purchase or finance the purchase of anything new. So that's the part where I have not, they are not speaking to the vast majority of Americans who live that experience every day.
0: I think- politically, you need to think about it this way. So there aren't a lot of persuadables in the United States, right? People are mostly aligned with one party or the other. So it gets down, particularly in these midterm elections, to who's actually going to go out to the polls. So when you do these polls, and it says that inflation and the economy are the number one issue, that skews disproportionately Republican. It's Republicans who are saying that to the tune of seven or eight or nine out of 10 and Democrats are saying uh, abortion and January 6th. But, but, numbers like this, and the realities that Christine, you were talking about, get to the question of how driven Democrats are gonna be to show up at the polls in November or even to cast one of these ballots. In other words, like, it's not like they can say, boy, everything is just coming up roses here. It's like, oh, I'm afraid that the Republicans are going to do bad on abortion. Oh, I'm afraid about, you know, Trump in 2024. But this is a, these are depressing facts. And uh, Republicans have want to go out and take revenge against Biden for the condition of the economy. Everyday anger (laughs) versus existential
1: fear. Yeah, the Republicans are driven by the everyday experience of their anger of what's gone on with the country versus the existential fears that I think a lot of democratic voters face.
0: And I just don't feel like there's a lot of defense in the democratic message. No, the defense is that we've lowered your prescription, we've lowered your medical costs.
2: Right. Here's the the evidence that shows medical costs are going up. What are you talking about? Do you live on this planet with us? as, As Christine says, this daily experience doesn't comport with your, and this is, and there's this horrific titled, I don't, I know you don't write this, the titles here guys, cause I do this too. But for some reason, somebody wrote a headline on this, on this piece that just savaged Americans for caring more about the cost of their French fries than about the decline of democracy. This is where you get to, you eventually come to hate the people that you're trying to convince not to care about their existential economic circumstances. They just also, won't listen to you. They won't be led to water.
1: Well, and it's a condescending class-based argument as well to say, it's oh, friendly. they're now they're clinging to their French fries. Like, is this the new message that Democrats want to send? To
0: America. We all know voters? journalists
2: have no class anxieties.
0: <laughs> I mean, they- I just think also this is the worst of all possible worlds for ordinary people in this sense, which is that the Fed will has no choice but to continue to be aggressive and raise interest rates. And your credit card gets more expensive. And if you want to buy a home, the home gets more expensive. And if you want to sell a home, uh, the selling of the home becomes more difficult because the cost of the home goes up because the mortgage prices that someone else is going to have to pay for your house go up. And they have to do it because inflation is rising. And the only way to kill off inflation is to tighten. I mean, the only real sort of like tool in the pocket of the Fed. We were talking- tighten interest rates
2: we were I'm talking about whatever. those re- and we're not in a recession trope which um yesterday, you know the administration yeah. yesterday which the administration trotted out i guess in august or late july uh, remember inflation is zero percent because it just was year over year relatively flat um but this the reason the act the arguments that they were making and why um no one was going to declare it a recession yet is because it was so weird hiring was up Demand was still really high. Consumer spending was really high as it was chasing rising prices, but what have you. Um, that whole argument is out the window. Hiring is slowing. Inventory is piling up because demand is slowing. Layoffs are starting to Layoffs it's yeah, not, these, yeah, it's not like the labor force is, is um, shrinking and not because people are entering the workforce. All these signals suggest a recession is here, has been here. We've been in recession for months now.
3: So how on earth <clears throat> they're sorry about throat clearing
0: that's okay how on, earth,
3: how on earth can there be a defense these policies are not accidental these are policies that the democrats got way out in front of they were so proud they were so self-righteous about their virtue in spending on the american people and by the way this goes for crime too they were they had the moral high ground in their claims about defunding the police the border, they were so self-righteous about what Trump, the, the, the evils that Trump had perpetrated at the border, that that, that they were going to change this. This is exactly, and, and their defense came when people were saying, don't do this, it's going to be bad. You're going to cause, you're going to cause inflation. No, we're not going to cause, we have 24 economists that say we won't cause inflation. You could, there's going to be a rush at the border. Rush them to the border, uh, b- uh, Biden said, you know, uh, uh, uh. You wanted to fund police? I, you're going to see a spike in crime. Something has to be done. That was when they were defending these policies. It has panned out exactly as their critics said it would. What defense? Abe defenses? is off the leash. I love it. Go Abe. <laughs> no, 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 it's just, it's just like you know. What what what
0: defense can there be?
3: This, just, this is what defense. they wanted.
0: Right. right. The only defense is a practical defense in this sense, which is. So given all that, why isn't the generic ballot at R plus 10? That that their defense is the American people, judging from the way the polls are are are, are acting, aren't feeling the way you're feeling because the Democrat, I think Democrats themselves would kind of agree with your art, like a like a kind of honest, cynical Democrat would say, I mean. The way things are, we should be down twenty points, and we're 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 tied in this question about <laughs> whether or not you know, like, isn't look that at what this. Hillary crime said? is bad? Inflation is bad, you know. Uh, you know, everything is bad, and yet we're 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 kind of defying gravity here, and that's the question, which is, will this gravity continue to be defied, or is the measurement flawed? The measurement is and flawed. I'm convinced. Yesterday, I think was it. One of us in our text chain yesterday found uh, noted Democratic, longtime Democratic activist fundraiser Bob uh, Holster, Simon Rosenberg, saying, "Yeah, this can't be right. Like right. it looks like everyone thinks the Republicans are surging. And you know, did you see what happened in the special elections in Kansas and some of the special House races?" We've got to be in better shape. That, than the that polls was me. Showing.
2: He's such a canary in the coal mine here because this is an indefatigable booster of democratic yes. narratives. And <clears throat> he's, he's looking at likely voter screens that show a 5.7 point Republican edge. I haven't seen those, but a likely voter screen on a poll is the pollsters sort of taking a guess at what the electorate is going to look like based on your prior voting record, your level of enthusiasm, what have you. It's an art. Um, but they do apply likely voter screens because registered voters polls at this stage in an election are more misleading than than they are a signal of what's going to happen anyway. So he's looking at likely voter screens, which I haven't seen. Nevertheless, see, they, the electorate suggests it's a Republican electorate. And for the first time, I've seen him acknowledge the reality that we all experience when it comes to these polls. It's not, you know, he's not ignoring this thing in front of him. He just can't recognize what it is and reconcile it with his existing worldview, which was, I thought was very interesting.
0: Well, I think it's more important to say what a very important thing that you just floated there, which is that you haven't seen these likely voter screens because there are very few public polls that are showing likely voter screens, which suggests to me that Simon Rosenberg is seeing internal polling with likely screens that are showing a Republican five to seven point advantage. And that's what he's talking about. We do not have evidence of this in the public polls, in part because pollsters are, are afraid Of doing likely voter screens right now because they don't understand what the electorate is. And they were so off in 2010 and 2014. They were way off in 2020. But I'm saying in the midterms in particular, like the, like the, actually, I mean, the polls in 2010 weren't terrible, but they didn't, they did not, came nowhere near capturing the size of the Republican wave. And in 2014, they missed it entirely. There was a Republican wave, nine Republican Senate seats won and the generic ballot was at par so the whole thing was missed because they mismodeled the electorate in the likely voter screens and so i think they're f- afraid to do it now and it's more expensive and they don't understand who's coming or the other you know darkest conspiratorial thing is they've been doing it and then and they hate the numbers and so they don't want to release them you know they don't want to release them because they don't like what they're seeing and they would prefer to say our polling is our our guess at the electorate that we did here with the likely voter screen we came up with is wrong because I, you know, want to bury my head in the sand like an ostrich and not act like I'm seeing what I'm seeing. But the more and more we talk about this, the less and less likely it seems, and I'm not unskewing the polls here, but the less and less likely it seems that um, the true nature of who is going to come out or who will cast early ballot, whatever you want to call it, is being captured here and that's not a that's not a slap on the polling industry things it's very this very hard game here like they get four percent response meaning every you know for every hundred phone calls or whatever they do they make they get four people to respond you know that that you know so imagine if you need to get a thousand people that means you need to make what like do that. Somebody do 40,000 phone calls. I don't know. I mean,
1: I am I, not I, doing math on air. I told you that you are
0: supposed to do math. You have a, you're the one of us with a PhD.
1: Not in uh, math.
0: I, I don't care. You have a doctor after your name. I expect you to prescribe me, you know, my calculator, some, some, you know, prescribe me some Xanax and do the math. Okay. I don't Well, know. here's some good news though. If you're a
2: recipient of social security, you're going to get a COLA benefit, as you do every year, cost of living adjustment. And the cost of living adjustment this year is 8.7 <laughs> percent.
0: That's hey, you know what? That's really good for the solvency of the Social Security. We haven't even and gone yeah, to the entitlement No, cost. No, yes.
2: no. The solvency of this program was good until the 30s last I checked, early 30s. But uh, yeah, we may get, yeah. may get a little closer to the late 20s. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, when the trustees the, get at it.
0: Yeah. The the Medicare adjustments are also nice. And you know, it's time to bring on Yuval to give us the to give us the skinny on how our entitlements are about to crush the federal government. That's another thing that's coming 2027 to 2035. Clearly it's gonna come sooner than than people were. Yes, you know, Gen we, X that, thanks
1: you, boomers, for spending all of our future. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, we haven't even talked about Alex Jones. Uh, I I would like, you know, I would, if, if, if the most disgusting person maybe on the planet Earth, I mean, or certainly in America, maybe the most disgusting person in America. Um, proof that you can both be crazy and evil, because he is clearly crazy and he is also evil. And a $965 million series of uh, uh, added up judgment of $965 million for for saying that the kids at Sandy Hook weren't killed, for saying that the parent, the grieving parents of the kids were actors, um, and for raising money and running a, a multi hundred million dollar business off it. Um, you know, I mean, just show how evil he was. He was broadcasting during the finding, because I guess he didn't have to be in the courtroom saying they're not going to shut me up and oh how were you oh you think you're going to get your money i mean it's sort of like when somebody says that uh you know i don't know where it's like you're filled with an unreasoning you know rage where you want something terrible to happen to him and it hasn't happened yet like just you know it needs really to be terrible, you know. Uh, although we could leave him to heaven, because then, you know, that's not going to be good either. I don't know. Anybody have anything to add? Okay, we'll be back tomorrow for Abe, Christina, Noah. Oh, by the way, thank you very much, everybody who went to iTunes and left us. Uh, we were both. Uh, we were all blown over by the kindness of the reviews that we saw over the last couple of days, which were just so nice and so... You know, it's like going to your own funeral and hearing eulogies. It was really deeply, deeply touching, and thank you very much. And if you could, and those of you who haven't done it yet, if you could do it, again, like, this is really, really helpful to us in getting us exposure with people who don't listen yet, so but thank you, thank you very much. So for Aid Christine, I know I'm John Podhoretz. Keep the burn.